Cold, briny water, hot, blazing sun, a fog nursery. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. A few years ago, I visited Cushapaquac National Park in New Brunswick, a lovely spot with great camping, ample bicycling trails, some short hikes, and ideal conditions for sea kayaking and seabird watching. With it being only a five-hour drive northeast of where I live, and with most of the same species I'm used to, it initially felt quite like home. But then I walked to the beach, and something was off. There was no thick row of seaweed marking the high tide line. I started scouring the beach, looking for evidence of whether it was low or high tide, and I suddenly felt lost and confused. I walked over to a display by a lifeguard chair that showed that the upcoming high tide was only two feet higher than low tide only a change of a couple feet. The ocean tides along the main coast vary from a change in height of around 10 feet in the south to over 20 feet at the easternmost point, so this was an unexpectedly big difference for being so close to home. Our ample intertidal zone, that area of the shore that is exposed at low tide, is a big part of what makes Maine's coast so unique, and I've met more than one person that has moved to Maine because of it. The rocky intertidal zone sometimes gets all the credit and attention as a result of the beautiful tide pools you can find here. But if you have the opportunity to explore a less exposed shoreline, where the tide submerges salt hay grass at its high point, you might find sea lavender, which is flowering now. Sea lavender is also called marsh rosemary, but is not closely related to those two mint family members. Instead, Limonium carolinianum, our local sea lavender, is grouped in the leadwort family, whose plants often grow in saltier places. Sea lavender grows to be up to two feet tall, with spoon or spatula-shaped leaves, reminiscent of the leaves of succulents. During late summer, tiny lavender flowers emerge along one side of a network of small branches above the basal rosette arrangement of the leaves. At high tide, this flowering plant is often submerged in salt water, light purple blossoms swaying beneath the green sea. For anyone who has experienced the consequences of road salt on plants, picture the yellowing pines along heavily salted sections of I-95, you know that salt usually kills plants. The consequences of salt, plus their need for fresh water, make survival in seawater an incredible feat for any plant. Sea lavender's juicy, thick leaves have an important role in this task. They are specialized to be able to pump salt out of their tissues. Once the tide goes out and sea lavender is once again out in the air, you can see these expelled salt crystals on the undersides of their leaves. Sea lavender also has air-filled tissues throughout, making it more buoyant and resilient to the influence of the ocean. This resilient seaside plant is also commercially sold for garden plantings, as it doesn't require seawater to survive, it simply handles it well. Unfortunately, like any species, sea lavender does not handle over-harvesting well. Its everlasting flowers are so coveted by florists that their population has been harmed due to over-harvesting. In the floral and gardening world, you may hear them referred to as statuses. When we go to the ocean, there is so much there to overwhelm our senses. The smells at low tide, the colors of the sky at sunset, the cold water numbing our toes, the call of gulls fighting over a crab, and the taste of salt water on our lips after a bracing swim. With so much to take in at easily accessible beaches, it is common to forget that there are often missed wonders along less exposed sections of the shore. 
Sea lavender's growth in that high intertidal zone, often camouflaged among the salt hay grass, reminds us that you don't need to go on a big vacation to a faraway place to be wowed by nature's beauties. Look for the resilient species in oft-forgotten places, like the flower emerging from a crack in the pavement. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in our show, let us know. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. (laughs) 